Welcome to another episode. So last week we talked about putting the house in the name of a trust. So if you missed that, after you listen to this one, you can look down in the description note and get there. But we are talking today with John Strohmeyer, who's an expert. He's an attorney that specializes in estate planning. And we're talking about what happens to a house when someone dies. Welcome to the Loan with Jen podcast, your go-to weekly source for all you need to know about financing your home. Get ready for a no BS fact-driven journey. I'm Jen Hernandez. I've been a loan officer since 1995 with over 4,600 families financed to date. I love to simplify the most complicated loan questions, making them a breeze to understand. The ideas expressed here are my own opinions and should not be taken as legal advice. Thanks for joining. Let's get started. So if you're a seller and you might have inherited a property or you think that that might happen soon, when you might know that a parent or someone is going to pass and that it's up in the air of the status of the house. That's what we're talking about today. So John, welcome. Thanks, Jen. It's good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Well, we just unpacked lots of knowledge on our session about estate planning, which hopefully should precede what we're happening now. So people that don't plan for estate planning fall into, unfortunately, without knowing a trap where someone might pass away and tell us what happens when someone passes away and what happens to the mortgage and the house and what what goes on. Right. And this is where, you know, when somebody passes away, the family members, whoever, whoever they are, however you define them, are left to pick up the pieces, clean up, tie up those last bits of unfinished business. One of the things that can cause fits and really add complication and time is if we've got real estate and no clear plan, then we're going to have to go, you know, we're probably going to have to do something with probate anyway, but depending on what was done or not done, it may be a lot more complicated. So the thing to think about, kind of remembering that when we buy or sell a house, it's not like buying a couch or a painting or new TV set. Real estate, all those transfers get registered in the real property record. And this is where, you know, we have a deed. So-and-so as grantee sells to so-and-so or so-and-so as grantor sells to so-and-so as grantee this property. And you could trace it all the way back to see who has gotten things. The thing to remember is if you're going to be selling that house, you have to have clear title to the property. And just because you were married to somebody who died, just because you are the child of somebody who died, just because the will says you get everything, it doesn't mean you have clear title automatically. There's usually going to be something needs to happen before you can get that clear title and be allowed by a title company to sell that property. So let's say a spouse dies, let's say the husband dies and the wife doesn't want to live there anymore. She's like, I need to go somewhere else. I'm going to sell the property. And let's say he died a couple of weeks ago. How long does it usually take? Let's say she didn't have a will. Right. Well, there's a difference in what I'm going to say between will and no will, right? Yes. So let's say there was a will. Let's say they got with you. They did their duty. They have their will on track. How long on average, I know it's different, but how long on average does a will take to probate? So here we're both in Harris County, Houston area. And what happens, we have to start the probate process with a will. We file that with the county clerk and they hold on to it. We're then scheduling a probate hearing. Usually we're only going to have one probate hearing. We're going to go in for about five minutes in front of the judge, usually by Zoom. And that surviving spouse is likely going to be the executor of the estate. Well, the big problem, the big holdup right now is just the backup in the court. So I usually tell clients, expect about six weeks from the time we get started until our hearing. 
And that's assuming everything's going along swimmingly. You know, the will says what we need it to. It's the original document. There aren't any questions or challenges, but six weeks is about the time from when we get started to when you're going to get an executor appointed. And that executor will then have the ability to sell the the deceased person's interest. So for, you know, here in Texas, we've got community property. That means if you know, Bill and Sue buy a house together as community property. When Bill passes away, Sue still owns her one half interest in the community property. She can sell her one half interest 10 minutes after right Bill's away. gone. Mm-hmm. But the problem is nobody wants to buy just Sue's half of the house. They want Bill's half at the same time. And so even though they were married, even though Sue or Bill and Sue had wills that said, you know, I love you, honey. Everything goes to you if I die. Sue doesn't have the authority to sell Bill's half after one during while he's alive or two after he's gone. And so the purpose of probate, of getting her appointed as executor, is so that she has the authority, the legal authority to go in and sell things on behalf of Bill's estate. And so that's the thing. Sue would go to closing. She would be signing twice, once in her individual capacity for her one half of the house, and once for Bill's one half of the house, signing, you know, Sue Smith, comma, executor. So let's say that there wasn't a will. Let's Mm -hmm. say that Bill and Sue just went cruising along and they just didn't have any of that. And so Bill passes away and Sue, what does she have to do then? Then things get, can get a lot more complicated. And there is one option that is better, but also it has some significant drawbacks. The better option, we're going to call that a small estate affidavit. The Less favorable option is a full airship proceeding. That's H-E-I-R-S-H-I-P, not A-I-R-S-H-I-P. So the small estate affidavit is great if the only piece of real estate that the spouses owned was the house they lived in together, their homestead, because then you can use this one form to transfer assets, transfer title to the surviving spouse. The bad news is you can't have a whole lot of stuff. Really, it's outside of the house and any excluded assets, uh, like 401ks and IRAs, things like that. You can't have more than $75,000 in unprotected exposed assets to creditors. So this is really there for people who don't have a whole lot of stuff. If you have other real estate, you know, a lake house or something else, you can't use it at all because you can't transfer title with that small estate affidavit. So I don't like, you know, it's it's there as kind of an escape hatch, but it's not a first planning option for any of my clients. The reality is for most of our clients who are dealing with the death of a loved one who died without a last will, we're going to have to go through the full airship process. And that'll be generally a minimum of six months because wow. we're, yeah, exactly. I'm already getting stressed over here. I mean, right. I have a will, so I'm okay, but I'm just saying like people that don't. So really everyone that's a homeowner needs to get a will in place. Right, because there's nothing automatic if you die without a last will. Because if you, if one spouse dies, you know, the easy circumstance is one spouse passes away, the kids were all there, everybody agrees, there's no, you know, black sheeps in the family, everybody gets along. Sure, we can move things along faster, but even then, your Texas law is going to require that another attorney be appointed to verify the story that we're coming in and saying, you know, Bill died, Sue is the only spouse, they had three kids, you know, we'll put that in our initial application saying, here's, you know, Bill died, here are the heirs of the estate. Well, that's all well and good for us to put it down. The court at, you know, Texas generally has a responsibility to make sure we're not leaving out the fourth kid nobody really likes or, you know, whatever it is. 
We want to make sure that, you know, we're slowing things down to ensure that everybody gets treated fairly. So this is where that other attorney called an attorney ad litem is appointed by the court. The fees for that attorney are paid by the estate to have them, you know, basically do checks, interview witnesses. When you go to the court hearing, so you're bringing the client. So Sue probably is the future administrator of the estate two witnesses who are preferably not family members of Bill, who will say, yes, you know, Bill, Bill was married once only to Sue. They had three kids, no more, no less. And, you know, we do this, you know, we never talked to him about his will, but he never mentioned having one. So you're, you know, there you go. There are lawyer, three witnesses, including that includes Sue, plus this other attorney. You've got to coordinate all of those schedules to go to to a court hearing for about 15 or 20 minutes to establish who's entitled to this property. So this and is then, in the case of not having a will. Right. There's just a lot of extra. Yeah. So six months. So it's going to be a while. The last thing I want to mention also is that, have you ever had an experience where let's say Bill, we'll just use Bill and Sue again, Bill passes away and Sue wasn't on the mortgage. And so dealing and calling with the mortgage company, like it takes just an act of Congress for the spouse to like, let's say you had a general power of attorney and you have to send it to them. Well, what if someone doesn't have all that set up? Like you have to call the lender and how do you get to be able to talk to them? Right. And this is where, you know, if Sue's not on the mortgage, that's going to cause some problems for her. You know, frankly, good things is if Sue's getting that house, she's not going to have to refinance the property automatically. The The bank can't come in and say, well, you know, we made this deal, deal with Bill. We're not going to keep the same deal with Sue. Now, Sue steps in into Bill's shoes, or even if Sue wasn't Bill's husband, if Sue, you know, instead we're talking about Marie and Marie is Bill's only child. And even though Marie can't keep a job, you know, she steps into her father's shoes to take over on the note payments. If she can make them, you know, the bank's basically going to be happy. The bank will obviously have to update some paperwork following the estate. And yes, there are no quick answers on how to deal with the banks once somebody's died. There are required notifications say, look, you know, bill is passed on. We're required to let you know this person, you know, bank, what do you want to do with the note? Are you do you want to claim the property if you've got that right, or do you just want to keep getting payments as you've got them? But yes, you're right. There, you're going to have to figure out how to navigate that that process, and it's going to depend yeah, on. It's going to take a lot of listed. phone calls. Right. That's why I, whenever I can, I make sure that both spouses are on the loan. I mean, sometimes you can't because of bad credit or whatever, but. I would say that while, let's say your spouse is not on the loan, because let's say credit or whatever the issue was at the time, make sure early on you call the lender and give them that spouse permission while you're still living that right. they can call and talk to you. Because that's that's a question I actually get a, long time, a, lot, a lot of the times, like, what happens if I have to talk to them? So anyway, that's just something else to think about. But wrapping up, this has been a really great session. Thank you so much, John, for just information about what happens when somebody dies to a property. I learned a lot. So oh, thank good, you. Good. And we'll put your contact information down. We really suggest that people get a will set up, just even if it's a just a basic will, right? Like it doesn't have to be fancy. You know, definitely get some good advice on that. We'll, if you're in Texas, we'll put John's information down in the notes below. John, thanks for your time today. Of course, Jen. Thanks for having me. Bye. Talk to you soon.
thank you for listening to the Loan with Jen podcast. Keep joining me each week to stay up to date on the mortgage industry as I'll dive into relevant topics so your home financing process, whether you're buying or refinancing, is smooth and simple. If you enjoyed today, please click follow and that way you'll never miss an episode. To find us on social media, just go to Loan with Jen on any of the social media handles, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in this week for Real Facts, No BS. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.